The opinions expressed on Tomahawk Talk may not reflect that of WVFS Tallahassee. Team, it's been a grind, but I think I've aged you well. Some might say perfect. Who's ready to show them who's the cheesiest? I woke up feeling the cheesiest coach. The Knolls are feeling cheesy. They'll play in the Cheez-It Bowl here in December against Oklahoma. It is a good evening to you and how you be. William Haynes here. You are there here just past 7 o'clock on a finals week Monday night. Hope everyone is doing well. Glad to have you with, with us here on Tomahawk Talk, the weekly sports power hour on the voice of Florida State 89.7 FM. Uh, WVFS.FSU.edu streaming online. The show always available the next day as a podcast as well. Lots uh, another packed show of Florida State athletics. Uh, we'll talk about Florida State football's bowl game against the Oklahoma Sooners coming up on December 29th. Uh, FSU soccer loses in the final four to UNC. Florida State volleyball loses in the first round of the NCAA tournament. And some updates on Florida State basketball as well we want to hear from you not just you know don't just listen to us talk about florida state sports we want to hear your thoughts your opinions as well so pick up the phone call us up 850-644-1837 so hopefully we'll get uh, some of you to uh, join us here but without further ado i'm william haynes our co-host as always jackson bakets jackson great to to have you here doing the show with you once more uh, we spent some time together yesterday as well. I, I broadcast the games for uh, Tallahassee Community College basketball, and you did the public address. Uh, that I thought that was pretty cool. How'd you like doing that? Well, I, you know, it wasn't my first time, but I, I really do enjoy it every single time I do it. And uh, you know, kind of going back to my roots, I was able to do it in high school as well, both for football and basketball. And uh, it's always it's always a fun time. And, and TCC. Uh, they look good. They're they're a top ten team in the country, right? They are. Yeah, I think still number seven or number eight in the poll that came out this week. They have some great names too. I'm like a public uh, public address announcer. Okachukwu Okk. Yeah. yeah, Addison Patterson. Yeah, that yeah, has a great ring to it as well. So, uh, you know, they scored a lot of points yesterday, and you know, obviously, you know, we're going to talk about Florida State sports as well here on Tomahawk Talk. But uh, I had to find new ways to uh, to say their names because they were scoring. A lot of different players were were in double figures, so it was. A great win for for the Eagles yesterday. But. Yeah, it's nice to see a, a basketball team actually doing well. Mm -hmm. Florida State is is one and nine. Actually, the inverse of Tallahassee's uh, community college's record, who's nine and one. Interestingly enough, but moving on from that, Kylie Brennan back in studio. Kylie, we've had you here recently. Great to have you here back again. How are you doing right now? I'm doing great. Uh, kind of a lighter finals week for me. So. That's why I'm here. <laughs> there you go. That's uh, always. How is everyone's finals week? Are we panicking? Are we flooded? Or are we kind of in the clear? Well, I I have an exam tomorrow at seven thirty a.m. So um, it's not what you want. It's gonna be a little rough wow. there. Plus, it's at a it's in a building where there's like no good parking around. So um, yeah, it's not not gonna be the greatest. But I think I'll be able to power through. How about y'all? Well, I had a group project final where get this. Everyone did their work. No way. On wow. time. That's ahead not, of time. Not, ahead not of time. I didn't think it was possible. It is. Were you the slacker of the group? No, I wasn't. I'm normally the one that has to incorporate everything and get everybody involved and figure all that. And I wasn't. It was somebody else. And I just got to sit back and be a part of it. It was the indomitable human spirit is what that was. <laughs> Absolutely. You were talking about parking, Jackson. The parking lot across the street from Diffenbaugh, where the, the radio station is and where we broadcast from, the, the wooden gates that let people in and out of the parking lot had all been, like, ripped off. Mm. Like, there, you could tell, like, the wood had been snapped in half. So I don't know if people are kind of becoming unhinged during this late semester period during finals week. I'm not sure, but I hope they're just running right through them, I think. <laughs> they're late to their 730 exam, and they got to plow through to get into that parking lot, possibly. Uh, but then the voice you just heard a few moments ago, maybe his last show. I don't know if, we're, if it's his official farewell, but uh, a man that's been with us for quite a while, Mr. Max Rundy. Max, I've, I've worked with you here at TCC. Always great to have you on and, and great to see you back here in studio. How are you? I'm doing good. I'm in the boat of I could basically get zeros on my finals and I'd still graduate. So that's nice. that's nice. My parents would love to hear that type of motto. But uh, it's a bittersweet ending. I mean, I look around these walls and – Maybe I'll write something on the walls finally today. Who knows? But uh, either way, it's bittersweet. I, I wish I didn't graduate early by accident, but 
it is what it is. I guess I'll save a little bit of money and maybe get a job here in the coming weeks. Well, well Max, you know, uh, during Paul Pierce's last year, uh, Draymond Green kept saying, you know, you're not Kobe. You don't get a farewell tour. But, you know, Max, you deserve a farewell, farewell, excuse me, farewell tour. So, uh, you know, we commend you here. We're, uh, we always uh, looked up to you as one of uh, the veterans here. So uh, we're really appreciative of you, and um, we're excited to have you on this week. It should be a good one. Thank you, Jackson. Absolutely. A long list of people that have uh, held a post here with, with V89 Sports, a lot of great radio personalities and people that have gone on to do great things. I know, Max, we've talked about you may be holding a, a post with a Major League Baseball team here soon, so we'll uh, definitely be, keep posted for that. But, again, we want to hear from you, the listener. Yes, you. 850-644-1837. You want to talk about how Florida State is going to run all over the Sooners in the bowl game. Maybe talk about soccer coming to an end uh, a little bit earlier than you had hoped. Maybe even you got questions with your finals. I'm not sure we're qualified, but we can try and take a yeah, stab at we're it. We're communications for you. majors, so right. we'll do our best. <laughs> with whatever we can. And manage. sports management. And sports management. But, you know, William said it at the beginning of the show the opinions expressed on Tomahawk Talk do not reflect those of the radio station. So, call into the show. Nothing really matters, you know? Say whatever you want. Well, not whatever you want, but, you know. Say what you want. Call in. Do it. It'll be fun. It's this time of year. Yeah, late in the school year, everyone is, is running around. So we want to have fun with, with these last couple of shows, especially now with, with football coming to a close and, and the sports calendar shifting over a bit. So let's talk now, finally, about Florida State football. Uh, the final college football playoff committee rankings took place yesterday afternoon after all the conference championships and, and the season had concluded. So we got the designations for every team and what bowl games they're going to be going to and the one that I think we were all hoping for the one maybe we had predicted the most the Cheez-It Bowl which is in Camping World Stadium in Orlando uh, but the opponent may be catching us a bit by surprise we thought maybe Texas Tech or or even Texas or a team like that but it's going to be Oklahoma the Sooners who were just six and six this year a first year coach in Brent Venables uh, a much underwhelming season for them they were ranked as high as six in the country at one point they lost three straight games and they lost three of their last four to end the year so uh, underwhelming season for them but that that game is going to take place on December 29th that's a Thursday at 530 in Orlando Florida State currently favored by uh, seven and a half points but the thing that I want to start off with in this conversation first is I think there's going to be a couple players for Florida State playing that we didn't expect. Jamie Robinson, the safety, uh, who is going to be in the Senior Bowl and is going to be drafted probably pretty high, he says he's going to play. And Jared Verse, who is eligible for the draft, but he can stay if, at Florida State if he chooses, also intends to play. So let's kick it off with that, Jackson. And uh I think that's everyone has to be excited about that because those are two really good ball players. Absolutely, and you know we talked about this pre-show. You know, is this the the microcosm of a culture shift? Uh, I think you can definitely make that argument, but I think you know it, it's throughout college football, it's not necessarily you know taboo to not play your bowl game anymore. So um, for these guys to stay, I think that's just uh, maybe not necessarily a reflection of the culture that Norvell's brought, but just a reflection of them as an individual. Uh, deciding to to wanting to play, and uh, you know, play that last game for their team. I think you know that that's a that's an individual decision um, that should be, really be commended. And um, you know, with a, a lot of we're going to talk about this with a lot of Oklahoma excuse me Oklahoma players um, deciding not to play with with Florida State returning almost everybody for this game. Um, as far as we know, so far obviously we're weeks away. It's looking good for the Florida State Seminoles, and I, I think seven and a half points is a little light. Yeah, you mentioned uh, it's not, not taboo to, to miss your bowl game. Ohio State has a receiver that's not going to play in the playoff. Now, granted, he's been hurt, but that, I mean, even even a, when the championship is on the line, guys are sitting out in favor of the draft. So, Kylie, Max, throw this to you. I mean, did you do you expect that? Because at least when I was doing the show, I was kind of assuming we had seen them play their last game in Garnet and Gold, but but they're going to at least give it one one final go, if not more, uh, in terms of verse, but certainly Robinson. Well, my family was talking about this on the phone last night. Uh, I, I was on a conference call with my mom and my dad. They evidently weren't in the same car. We were all three conference calling about this. And one of the things that we talked about is it's really nice to see Florida State really being um, an emblem of 
old school football, it seems. You know, not only are we running the ball, but we also have the team culture coming back. We have guys wanting to play for the memories, not play for the business, play for the NIL, play for this, that. Uh, it's just nice to see that team culture change, like you said. Now, I agree. This definitely speaks to the culture that uh, Norvell is bringing in to this, this uh, roster and these players. I, I think it more or less also speaks to the characters he's administering and what he preaches every day and telling these guys that every game matters regardless of what your draft position, your draft stock may or may not be. You need to go out there and prove it, not just for yourself, but for your family, for your school, for everyone watching. It, it's. I, I remember I was in high school and Shaq came to town and did this big, like it was supposed to be like a business-oriented uh, lecture. First thing I ask him is about basketball. But he goes on and talks about basketball was not just about like playing well, making money. It was about entertaining. And to some extent, I kind of see that here and in all the positive ways, though. And I just you got to love to see it. There's been a there's been a element of showmanship to Florida State football this year for the first time in a while where they're back to that that dominant team that you fear when they come on the field and you hear the ward chant and, and Osceola and Renegade come out and all that. And certainly those types of players have contributed to that feeling. Jamie Robinson spoke with, with media about it, and they're asking him because he accepted an invitation to the Senior Bowl. He's certainly going to be drafted. And, that you know, why, why are you going to play one more game? And he just talked about, you know, I love football. I love college football. I don't want to take he, – he, you know, I, he said, I see people opting out. I don't understand it. You, you can't take it for granted. You have to take every opportunity you can get. And I, I give credit to Coach Norvell because – it seems like Florida State has a roster full of players like this. You see teams in other parts of the country, Texas A&M being one of them and, and some other programs that I know you're thinking of when I when I said it, that they don't necessarily have that culture. They don't have guys playing for the love of the sport or for the love of each other, but they're playing for, for other things, whether it be money or status and, and whatnot. So I, I, just another reminder of, of the, the change here. And for Jared Verse, uh, him playing for Florida State in 2023 is not off the table. Certainly that he's going to play in this game, and he said his his draft status is still undecided on his part. And I think he would be a first round pick if he uh, decided to go. So uh, producer Jack Oliaro from behind the glass sent me a note. Uh, Fabian Lovett is going to play. I, I didn't see that, but uh, if he plays as well, that's going to be big. He's another guy that accepted a Senior Bowl invite. Johnny Wilson is one I I don't know. I don't imagine he's going to go drafted. I mean, I'd be interested to hear your guys' thoughts. He was a guy that in two years at Arizona State received less than 200 or 300 yards and at Florida State this season alone under seven, uh, just under 700. But a lot of drops, um, but he's, he's, a, he's a tall body and, and he got a lot of targets. Um, what do we think about Mr. Wilson? I'll say this. I've seen more surprising people declare for the draft, as in yeah. that Gainesville quarterback down there, Anthony Richardson. Not sure what that was about, but Johnny Wilson definitely had a at least better season compared to the expectations than Richardson. So it wouldn't be the most shocking news that we get on our phones. Yeah, Kylie, I mean, you covered, you wrote a, a profile on Wilson in, in his season. Do you think he'll stay? Did you get that feeling on what you what you did? I think it would be a mistake for him to transition into Sunday football this early. I, I'd want to see him develop a little bit more. Uh, the reason that he had such um, little yardage at his previous school with the Sun Devils is because he battled a hamstring injury the entire time there. So this is really his first year of playing, um, dare I say, legitimate <laughs> football. Um, so I, I'd, I'd prefer to see him stay. I think it'd be a smarter decision on his behalf, especially with the dropped passes. I mentioned earlier in the season that I felt like Travis was throwing him a little too low, but I felt like Travis really kind of fixed that towards the end of the season. We were still seeing the drops, so I couldn't really defend him there. So should probably get more reps. Yeah, I, I would agree. I think um, his draft stock, in my opinion, can only go up. Um, he has all the tools. Um, he has the size, um, but um, you know, what we see with so many professional organizations, whether it's basketball or football, um, we see general managers and organizations looking to draft a prototype, looking to draft um, you know a skill set, looking to draft a body, and hoping to develop them before um, you know they have those developed skills. So uh, it wouldn't surprise me if Johnny goes. Um, but I, I think 
he could make a lot more money if he stays. But obviously, you know, he could lose out if he, if he's you know somehow suffered you know a horrible injury. You know, knock on wood. But um, you know, I, I I think if Johnny stays, I, I think he he is good either way, really. As of today, we haven't heard anything about his status in the bowl game. I mean, guys like Trey Benson are up in the air as well, and and we'll know more about that in the coming weeks if they're going to stay um, playing the bowl game or if they're going to go. Uh, something else that's worth mentioning with Florida State's bowl game here, I think we kind of took it for granted because they had clinched bowl eligibility <laughs> so many weeks ago. But this is going to be the first bowl game, the first bowl season practice uh, under Coach Norvell here in his third year. Um, as far as results, I mean, he he made, he lost all three of his bowl games at Memphis. But uh, more importantly, I think, than the results of the game, guys, is that finally in December – uh, you get a chance to work with some of these guys, and Norvell mentioned it. It's not as much practicing for the opponent, but you're just the way he put it. You're practicing against the toughest opponent, which is yourself. And for the first time uh, under him, they get some extra time to do that. Not only that, that's that's three additional weeks of practice. Um, you know, it's kind of like you know the the good get better, and, and the and the the worst get worse. And um, for Florida State to finally have those, however, you know, probably. 20, 21 extra practices, um, it is just absolutely monumental for this program to be able to uh, get those extra reps in, especially with the fact, I mean, I don't know if any, if how, how y'all are aware of how the, the, the season works, but um, they come back for, for winter and, and spring training, like around January 6th, so uh, you know all the all the equipment guys, all the athletic trainers, all the players. They're they're not going to get pretty much any off time. So, um, you know, while you'd like to have some rest, you also um, have to acknowledge that that Florida State is going to be playing around the clock all year, and it's going to be really great for their development. If anything, though, that's exactly what you want to see out of this team. They, they've been stuck in neutral for so many years now, and. Getting that chance, as you were already alluding to, getting that chance to get a year-round training session with Norvell and a relatively young team at least, especially like we've had so many conversations on this show about like Rotomaker and just the future of this team when star players are out the door here soon. I think that's where these extra weeks will go especially far into developing and maintaining the monumental progress this team's built this year alone. And what what's interesting about you know that that winter spring season is and I forget what coach said it exactly it wasn't Coach Norvell but um, you know kind of saying along the lines of they kind of hand over the staff to the strength coach during those those winter and and, and spring kind of uh, early spring practices and so uh, you know look to see how well Josh Storms gets this team ready to go uh, you know going into that that September ball. Uh, against LSU down there in the Citrus Bowl, or excuse me, in Camping World Stadium, as as it's referred to now. But um, you know, it, it, it's it's vital to have a great strength coach, and I think I think a lot of guys were were really excited to see the or to show off all the progress that they'd made going into that, this LSU game last year. And so um, I think Josh Storms is the right guy. Uh, Norvell speaks very highly of him, so. Um, Look, look to see the, the progress players make over the next three or four months. Well, and Max, you kind of touched on the word maintaining there. Something that I feel is worth mentioning is not only is it great that we're playing, uh, that we're playing December football, that we're in bowl season, that we're going to a bowl. It's also great for us that it's the Cheez-It Bowl, not just for us specifically because we're traveling there, but also places like Bradenton, Florida are only two hours away. That's IMG Academy right there. We're talking about this is going to be great for recruiting as well here. Which Three is hours another, from Miami as well. Yep. Exactly. Another element to add in here. Not only it, it's right there. Yeah. Uh, for their home schedule, Norvell put all the chips in the table for that Clemson game. And there was a couple of things. There was a player that mentioned he didn't like seeing all the fans leave uh, after halftime. And so maybe that game didn't go exactly how you wanted it. But I think – 
when you went down to Miami and Cristobal used that game as his chance to get all the recruits to come out and you, sh- you shellacked the Hurricanes as bad as you did. And in, in, in a way, that was kind of a, a home recruiting game for you. And you bring up a good point, Kylie, that a game in Orlando will give you an extra chance to showcase to those local talents. Now, I have a closing thought or question for all of you. As, as Florida State students, not, not more or less as analysts, how are we feeling about facing Oklahoma? Because as a, as a fan, I get excited because it's like, wow, seven and a half is like, that's underwhelming. We, the, the, the spread. The Florida State and all, or Florida State should really hammer that, as we were mentioning before the show. Pizza points. But I almost wish the competition level was, hypothetically, knock on wood, a little bit better. I mean, I, that's just my personal opinion. What, where, where do you all stand on that? Yeah, I think you, Florida State, 9-3, and three, ranked number 13 in, in the last college football playoff ranking. So they're a top 15 team. They, you know, they've got a chance to win more, uh, a chance to win 10 games. You want a team that's better than 6-6, six and six, uh, certainly. It, especially because you could think... rest on your morals now and, yeah. and perish your entire season, arguably. And, and, you know, I think Oklahoma fans would probably feel the same way in, in terms of why would why do we want to play this this hot Florida State team that's ranked 13 when we're trying to have a winning season, um, especially in, in Brent Venable's first, uh, first season as the HC. But, you know, to answer your question, Max, um, well, actually, first let me ask you, when you ask how are we feeling, you know, just about the matchup or our chances, what, what, what do you mean? Uh, <sighs> I almost, I'm, I'm really, it's, a, it's like a contradictory opinion I have here because it's like Oklahoma has nothing to lose in this game. Yeah. Outside of the fact that they have a lot of players sitting out, it could really be a scary game to just kind of meander into and get tough, like get beaten down. And well, I'll tell you what, I, I we talked about this before the Louisiana game last week. I, th- I think this team is beyond jinxing. I think this team is beyond, um, you know, flukes. Um, so, you know, obviously, knock on wood again, but uh, I, I don't see Florida State in a, in a close game against Oklahoma. But um, my question then is, it, does it go too far? Is it going to be a game that, like we mentioned, by halftime fans are going to turn it off? I, I, think, I think they win by 10 points. I, I don't think anybody will be leaving. Um, if I had to take a guess, I think Florida State wins by two touchdowns, but it'll be a back and forth, but Florida State will kind of control the game for the most part. I just find it hilarious that every single time you say, I think Florida State is past jinxing, but I, I believe our listeners have heard you do <laughs> a bunch of times. Knock on wood. We're traumatized as fans. We, that, are. The, we are. The stretch that it's been the last half decade or so uh, showcased by this year tonight. But, I mean, if you look at and listen to the Oklahoma fight song, it's awful. It's awful. Look at the lyrics. That's boomer sooner. What matters. Boomer that sooner. Boomer so sooner. Pretending. Boomer sooner. Boomer sooner. Boomer sooner. Boomer sooner. Boomer sooner. OKU. Oklahoma. 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 OKU. And then there's one verse, and then raw Oklahoma. Raw Oklahoma. Raw Oklahoma. OKU. The end. That's it. You know, Jackson. Perhaps? Did you learn that just for this? No, you just no, read it. No, I, I, I read it. I mean, perhaps they should focus on boomering in the now. Instead yeah. of boomer sooner, and maybe they wouldn't be six and six. You know, they need to be. Yeah, correct. They need to be boomering in. They the need present. to be boomer now, boomer now, rah rah. Yeah, the present Oklahoma. is a gift, and they're too focused on. And then just repeat soon. that pack seven times. That I can't believe like. that headline hasn't been written yet. A boomering present or, or something along those lines. That's great. If you, the listener, can come up with a or know a worse fight song, call us and let us know. 850-644-1837. I think it would be hard to top that, but if, if there is, I would love to hear it. Talking about Oklahoma, we mentioned their head coach, Brent Venables, his first year. Uh, he's a, a well-traveled guy, but holding that head coaching position for the first time in his career his first season certainly did not go to plan, but he's a guy that Florida State knows pretty well. He was the defensive coordinator at Clemson for almost 10 years from 2012 up until this past season before taking the Oklahoma job. Uh, more specifically, he's only faced Mike Norvell's offense once. That was in, in 2021 last year. Jax, I know you made the trip to that game. That was not a great game for the offense against Venables. They scored 20 points. They ran for under two yards to carry. Pretty much their only big play was that 75-yarder from Toa Feely where it looked like he was tackled but stayed up and, and kept a, running. And then a defensive score as well late in the yeah. game in which Jermaine Johnson had the strip sack and led to a scoop and score. 
um, which actually gave Florida State the lead with probably, what, less than seven, five, six, seven minutes left. So, uh, yeah, the offense did not have their best game. The offensive line was still struggling. Yeah. Um, yeah at that point, the offensive line was a C- minus compared to an F in 2020. Um, so uh, everybody was seeing the improvements. Everybody was, was surprised they were able to hang with Clemson, even though at that point they were struggling. Um, but that game... The Clemson defense played well, and, and Brett Venables is. I and I said this last season, and I still stand by it. I think Brett Venables was a great hire. I think you know it, it takes time. You you can't automatically assume just because Brian Kelly takes uh, an LSU team to the SEC championship that that has to be the standard for first year coaches. I I don't believe in that. Um, I think Brett Venables will have a pretty solid career at Oklahoma if he if he's there for less than five or six years. I'll be surprised. Um, so. You know, I, I think he's a formidable coach, but I don't think they're ready this year to, to compete with a with a Florida State team. He, during his time at Clemson, he must have had more first-round picks on the defensive line than anybody in the country. Yeah. But in year one in Oklahoma, it's not his team. He doesn't have those players. He hasn't had the time to develop any. So And they, Lincoln Riley just brought so many guys with him. Yeah. and I mean, that's that's why USC was, was able to uh, really – I mean, obviously they have great talent in California as well that they were able to recruit, but – you know, to bring guys like Caleb Williams to USC with him, I mean, it was just uh, monumental. They've got some opt-outs, the most notable of which the running back Eric Gray, maybe their best player this season, ran for almost 1,400 yards and 11 touchdowns. He's not going to play in the game. Uh, also notably, a couple starting offensive linemen, Anton Harrison and Wayne Morris, and a defensive lineman, Jalen Redmond, as well. Uh, Coach Venables spoke about it in his first kind of press quasi opportunity to talk about the matchup, and he's he was quoted his his young offensive tackles. He specifically mentioned Jared Verse is going to have a trial by fire, and that's that doesn't uh, make you like the Sooners' chances when even their own head coach is saying things like that. Nothing like breeding confidence in your team than talking about the opposing player feasting on your young O line. Gotta love, gotta love that. I mean, I feel like all of us grew up in athletics, though. What lights a fire under your rear more than someone telling you you can't do something? If you if you crumble after that, then what what did you stand for to begin with? I will say I, I do enjoy hearing that I can do something. I think it helps. Really, that's crazy. I, I don't know. That's I mean, really strange. I, I like to be told I, I'm a I'm a good talker. I'm I'm. I'm no William Haynes by all means. Hey Max. Yeah. You're a good talker. I appreciate that, Kylie. Kylie, you're you're a bad talker. Mm. <laughs> we're gonna we're gonna see how that. Oh, works. I'm gonna yeah. talk now. <laughs> well, I'll, I'll tell you what. Um, in, in 2014, Jurgen Klinsmann was the head coach of the U.S. national team for for soccer, and he was quoted. A, excuse me. He was quoted in telling the team that uh, that they're not gonna win the World Cup this year. In 2014, that's what he said to him. And, you know, while he was correct, and I think everybody in the, the press room knew he was exactly right, and I think the players knew he was exactly right as well, um, you just don't tell your team that. You reap and, what you sow. Yeah, if you, you put it out, it's more likely to happen. Yeah, you just don't tell your team that. And um, not that, you know, Venables is saying that they're going to lose or they're not going to win or he's going to play poorly, but I think – you have to, you know, maybe do a little honey and vinegar there, and uh, he, he kind of left out the honey, so we'll, we'll see. We'll see what happens. Yeah, I think a big – and maybe uh, pure speculation, I wonder if, if Jared Verse knew that that was going to be the case. He was going to be going up against some young green linemen, and he thought, what better way to bolster my, my draft stock a little bit more than having, like, three sacks in the Cheez-It Bowl. We'll see if he's able to – accomplish that Oklahoma's 2022 we said they're they were six and six they lost three straight games about midway through the year can to Kansas State who won the Big 12 TCU who's number three in going to the playoff and to Texas who had a pretty good season and, and they're a good ball club in their own right and then uh, they lost three of their last four all by three points to Baylor, West Virginia, and Texas Tech. All of those teams, not great. I think Texas Tech is the only one that's going to a bowl game, maybe Baylor. Uh, they took a 28-0 lead in the Bedlam game against Oklahoma State, a game they went on to to win in the second-to-last game of the season. So maybe a little momentum there before they lost to Tech in overtime uh, in the 50s in points. 
They're ranked as high as number six early in the season, but far from that um, at this point. Offensive numbers are pretty similar. Florida State's 36 points a game, Sooners 32. uh, Almost exactly both nearly 500 offensive yards per game. Uh, Even passing and rushing are are nearly identical as well. But really where it takes the the deep drop-off is the defense uh, between these these two teams. Oklahoma has, has allowed nearly 30 points a game, and they allow 450 yards a game, including almost 200 on the ground. Uh, and so for a Florida State offense that finished the season red hot and we're running all over everyone, this looks to be a great matchup for the Knowles. Yeah, absolutely. And, uh, you know, Carter Corrells, I think you just you know talked about it, how Oklahoma's rush defense is just abysmal. Yeah. You know, uh, you know close to dead last in uh, Division One FBS. And so, you know, Florida State, you know, we t- you talked about it as well, Kylie, the establishment of the run game um, will be absolutely critical, especially, you know, Florida State has loved to uh, take over time of possession. And so if, if Florida State can control their emotions, get the running game established, and let Jordan Travis air it out every once in a while, um, like I said, I, I just don't see this Oklahoma team uh, really putting up a formidable – I'm not saying they won't be formidable, but I, I just don't see them coming within 10 points. I – I'm literally being so contradictory on this so far. I don't see this being very close at all. Like, unless, like I said, unless FSU comes out weak, slow, for whatever reason, they enjoyed that Christmas dinner too I can much. see them coming in flat a little bit. Yeah, but they haven't prepared as for you a bowl said, game though, a FSU's done really well about avoiding those types of games, and Norvell's done a great job coaching up the players to not come out flat. And I don't see how... With all of the opt-outs for Oklahoma, I don't see how that's even possible. If I'm a better, which I'm not, my roommate though, I'm. <laughs> I this is going to be a big win for Florida State. At least the way I look at it after this whole conversation we had, I, I don't see this being a one, two, maybe even a three touchdown victory for the Knolls. You no, know, Max, this could be your last Florida State score prediction. Oh, ever. okay. I'm really bad at these usually, but let's just throw out. Ooh. Give me one second. Okay. I'm going to go as high as I've ever gone for Florida State. 59 Woo. Woo. to 13. Mm-hmm. That's a lot more than three touchdowns. Let me rethink that. 59 to. It's memorable you, you to last one. You don't one. have any math finals this week. No, right? no. I was really good in high school. My dad, who's a math teacher, would be very disappointed in me. But uh, let's go 20. Yeah, that's close enough for me. Right. That's that's kind of similar that's to that four, Oregon. Kind of similar to that Oregon Florida State yeah. score in, in 2014. I'm gonna go. Um, my gut's telling me 30, 37 to 24. Weak. I'm I'm gonna go 35, 14. But also on that note, I'd like to disagree that. I don't think they're going to come out flat at all. Like, I don't even think that's a possibility. I think this is mm. the first time, or the first time in a while at least, that we've seen guys genuinely excited to be a part of this Florida State program. Like, I, I don't, I don't see it happening. Uh, at least for me, I don't have enough information. The matchup was only announced, you know, a little bit more than 24 hours ago. We'll see if there's any more opt-outs Ooh, or injuries or anything. Give us a score. Give. No, I'm just I think it. I think the Knowles score in the in the 30s 30s range. I'm interested to see what Oklahoma's offense is able to put together because the numbers were there in the regular season, 33 points a game. They've got a quarterback that many will know, kind of coming back to his old city, uh, Dylan Gabriel, who played three seasons at UCF, and and he was a pretty good quarterback for the for the Sooners this year. Twenty four touchdowns to only six picks, uh, but not having their leading rusher at running back, not having two of their starting offensive linemen, I don't know what their ability to sustain drives is going to be. They've got a thousand yard receiver and and a, and a, a guy named Mims that that could cause some problems. Uh, the secondary for Florida State hasn't been tested in a little bit maybe in the first half of that Florida game, but not really since then. And so, to me, that that's where the game will lie. I think, I mean, Oklahoma, they lost 49 nothing to Texas this year. So, Gabriel didn't play in that game, but there's certainly a possibility of, no pun intended, boom or bust for, for Oklahoma. And and so, to me, I mean, it could be it could be 35-3, to three, it could be 35-21, you know, but I think Florida State offense is around that, that mark. Okay, we kind of got a score prediction. You know? I gave it to you a little bit. I gave you gotcha. a sneak peek. But, you know, I, I think – I don't know if I see this team 
putting up more than 40 points again. I mean, they they have been able to so many times this season. Um, but, you know, those are kind of against less formidable opponents. You know, one of them was Florida. I will say that. One of them was against the six-point Florida team. But um, I just – I I think – I don't know, if Kyle, if you said it was weak, my, my prediction. But um, – or no, it was Max, excuse me. But um, – I think it will be a very comfortable 35 to 24, um, or excuse me, 30, 30, 37, 24 is what I said. I think it'll be a very comfortable 37 to 24. Um, I think Florida State will control the game the most of the way, and if Oklahoma does score and make it that close, it'll be pretty close to the end of the game. All right. A couple other football notes I want to mention here. If you're just joining us, we're a little bit past uh, half the hour at, at 7.35 here. Tomahawk Talk with William Jackson, Kylie, and Max. Uh, still some Florida State football talking about their bowl matchup here in a few weeks. But uh, transfer portal officially opened today. We've got some news on that front. Sam McCall, the the number one player in, in the Knowles past class, five-star defensive back, he is uh, hitting the portal. He announced it a couple weeks ago, rescinded it, and then decided that he's going to stay uh, with the, the, the call to transfer. Jer- Jackson, a defensive lineman who, who came here before the 2020 season and uh, I mean, he played he played 10 games last year. He played 11 games this year, but was a little bit buried in that defensive tackle rotation. Josh Farmer, a true freshman, I think got more of time than him. And so uh, Jackson is going to leave. And then another defensive lineman, Chambray Jackson, hitting the portal as well. Chambray was the number two recruit in Florida State's 21 class. Didn't see the field at all last year and only appeared in two games this season. So he's a guy that that, that will be playing elsewhere. And finally, Amari Gaynor, a linebacker who, I mean, has been a big part of this Florida State team, certainly in the Norvell era. And uh, he, he's another guy that will be leaving the program. And, you know, hats off to Amari Gaynor. He's leaving as a graduate transfer. Um, you know, really gave it all, gave it his all every 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 week, every time that he played. Um it's interesting. You look at this roster flip, uh, and I mean no disrespect to, to Mr. Gainer, but he was one of the best players on the team um, in that 2020 season, and um, you know didn't get a whole lot of playing time uh, in this 2022 season. And he played a decent amount, but not as much. Obviously, he did in 2020, and so uh, it just goes to show you uh, how how well Norvell and the staff have developed players that have come in, and. Um, you know, just how much talent they've brought in as well. So, you know, we wish all those transfers, transfers the best and hope that they uh, they find the opportunities they deserve. Got any thoughts on uh, some of these other guys transferring out of the, the team? Don't need them. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> that these could certainly go there. And, and in a way, it's a good sign that you have uh, enough good quality players that you have other good players leaving because they're not getting enough time. I mean – Florida State fans should know. I mean, there there's always going to be a Jermaine Johnson that was at Georgia and transferred because he wasn't getting any playing time. So there is always that potential. Um, Sam McCall I mean, was a guy that we mentioned last week that was going to be a part of this defensive backroom moving forward. I, I reported some on, on fall camp for this team before the season. I thought he was the best cornerback on the roster. For whatever reason, did not see the field a ton. Azaria Thomas, fellow true freshman in that position, got a lot more playing time than McCall did. Again, I, I don't know the reasoning behind it, but McCall uh, wasn't keen on continuing to, to wait in the wings. He's certainly going to play right away elsewhere. I mean, maybe he'll he'll join he'll join uh, Coach Prime in, in Boulder. I don't know. Um, or if he'll stay in the South uh, wherever he decides to go. So um, we'll, we'll keep you posted on where those players go in the coming weeks in the portal. Wide receiver Winston Wright uh, announced he's going to return to the Knowles next season. Did not play at all this year. He was a transfer from West Virginia. He was an all-Big 12 player for them there. He was involved in a car crash in March and had a leg injury that kept him out for the entire season. Uh, it, we didn't really know. We didn't never got a timetable on his return to injury. He appeared in practice, then kind of went back on the injured list and didn't see him and ultimately did not play at all, but... He was a guy that was expected to be maybe the best receiver on this entire team. Uh, he, uh, he, there was a story about him, I think, in the in the Democrat about him announcing his return, and he says uh, it was a good experience for him not playing football for an entire year. That he loves the team, he loves the group, and and because of that, he wants to stick around. And I imagine he's going to be a, a big part of an offense getting even better next year. Absolutely, and especially if Jordan Travis returns. 
Um, who knows what those, you know, just absolute studs will, will be able to accomplish. Hopefully we're in – I do not want Jordan Travis to leave, but hopefully we're in good enough positioning where our running backs, our wide receivers, everyone's been so well-developed this year that Rodmaker or Duffy are able to take the reins if the worst-case scenario ensues. I will say, now that I'm looking through this, we got Jared Verse, potentially draft pick, Jamie Robinson, potent, or most likely draft pick, and then Sam McCall, future star in the secondary potentially, and then some other lesser uh, highlighted players, you might say, except for Gaynor. My lone concern is a FSU tradition in my era here is if this defense gets beaten down and beaten down quick, the depth is a my, – my big concern here – would be the, the depth. But like we've talked about, Norvell's done a great job building up these lesser uh, touted prospects, letter, lesser known youngsters, and I, I have full faith in Norvell. It's just it is a bit concerning now that I realize that, that is, that's six defensive players all just leaving in one year most likely. And they make they make may make some some moves in the portal them themselves to replace those guys. We we don't know yet. The the portal just opened officially today final note i want to add some some all acc accolades for a lot of florida state players defensive lineman patrick payton true freshman won acc defensive rookie of the year a guy that uh a bit undersized but jackson you just gave some some credit to their strength coach he'll continue to get bigger uh but really quick a guy that um great qb contain off the edge sets the edge on uh, the plays whenever he's in and uh, i think he's got a bright future uh players making the all acc first team uh, Jared Verse, obviously, at defensive end, and then safety, J.B. Robinson. Both are going to most likely play in the bowl game. And then on the all-ACC second team, Jordan Travis, Trey Benson, and Johnny Wilson, all really vital parts of the team this year. So that's it for football. I want to move on now to some other sports. Florida State soccer lost in the Final Four of the College Cup. Uh, interested to hear your thoughts. Underwhelming, or, or did they did they meet expectations? The the score was three to two. They were down three nothing in that game, but but fought back. Um, and I mean, whether you look at shots, shots on goal, penalty kicks, Florida State led in in a big way in all those categories, and somehow they were down three nothing with like twenty five minutes left in the game. You know, yeah, they they had a they showed great fight. They fought to the end, even being down three three nil. Um, you know, to make it 2-3, make it interesting. They they were the better side in the first half, for sure. They had a lot more shots on goal. They had a lot more shots in general. Um, but they just weren't able to make the keeper work as much as uh, they wanted to. And North Carolina was just able to, to put shots away. And that's, you know, usually what it comes down to. It's kind of like, you know, it doesn't matter how many open shots you have in basketball if you don't make them. Um, and so, you know, you still have to, you can scheme it all you want, but you still have to be able to finish. And sometimes, you know, you just don't have your, your finishing cleats on that day. And so, uh, you know, in Penske's first year to make it to the to the College Cup, um, you know, to the Final Four there in, in North Carolina, a place they've called a home away from home, you know, recently, uh, you have to think, you know, it's a success. And when you're when you're in the nitty-gritty and you're you're playing um, for it all, you're playing for for, you know, glory, um, Obviously, you're disappointed when it doesn't go your way, but uh, for this team to, to make it to the Final Four, especially when you know there were some question marks, uh, you know, with, with players transferring, um, like Emily Madrill, and uh, you have some, like I said, you just have some questions going into the season for for Penske to uh, rally the troops and get all the way to the Final Four, and you know when you get to the Final Four, you never know what's going to happen. So uh, you know we see it all the time in basketball. Some of the greatest. Uh, college basketball teams to make it to the Final Four or even just into the tournament in general. You know, you never know what's going to happen when it's uh, when it's that crazy. So uh, hats off to Brian Penske and the staff for a, a pretty pretty solid season. I think it's classic for the common observer to look at this and say, man, they didn't make it to the College Cup. They've done that the past two years. Why didn't it happen this year? But I think the thing that you have to remember each year is kind of like you said there is – Anytime there's any major transition and this team saw more than one major transition, having to reorder the back line defensively and then also having to 
deal with feeling kind of like their trust was broken uh, within the transition of um, coaching staffs and then Brian Penske coming in, and I, I feel that he's a great leader. I was able to talk to him after the uh, ACC championship, and one thing that he kind of brought up and mentioned was just the sheer size of the roster. There's differences there. You look at Notre Dame, they have 34 girls on their roster. You look at UNC, they have 37 girls on their roster. You look at FSU, that's 21 girls. So we talk about football and basketball a lot, about not having much depth, but that's something that Penske's talking about is he's looking forward to those commits and transfers that he's looking at right now, and I think that we're only going to see continued success in the future, but I, I don't think it was – I mean, it obviously wasn't in the cards because we saw, saw the result, but I, I, I think it's a successful first season for him. I think Seminole Soccer fell into the pitfall of – their history being so dominant lately. Mm-hmm. I mean, this team realistically entered with almost no expectations. New coach, half the team gone. Like, that in of itself can lead to anything. Anything. And to say that this team dominated on the national level all year long like they did and made it through a tough playoff like bracket schedule system, it's not easy to get that far, as we've already touched on. It's just FSU faithful may not be saying this. People take advantage of how hard this is. People take advantage of how phenomenal this soccer team has been over the years. And people take advantage of Mark Kerkorian. I mean, Brian Penske showed up, let his players do what they've been doing for years, make the adjustments slowly but surely, and it worked. It, it really is. I mean, of course, you would have loved to see three, another another uh, coming out on top, winning another championship, but it has to be considered a win of a season. It really has to, and to say otherwise is just a, a naive take, as Kylie was kind of taking. Well, and not only that, imagine, like, just like for any of our listeners that aren't as familiar with soccer – Imagine our football team having to play Florida three times a year. Yeah, that stink. Exactly. Yeah, just to have to see them three times a year. Yeah, I don't, exactly. don't want to do that. And to deal with but, all those Florida fans, you know, saying they're a top five school every, you know, three times during the year. I can only take it once. Absolutely. But, but playing UNC three times, getting the win when it mattered with the ACC, um, there, yeah. But it's just difficult. It's difficult to do. And I'm proud of our Seminoles. Um, I, I think it was just going to be very, very hard to get that third win. Um, the final denominator yeah. there. It, yeah. They talk about it a lot in the NFL. It's hard to beat a team twice in one season and for three times is even, even harder, obviously. So, um, that's a great point there. Um, and you know, they did get the ACC championship, as you mentioned, um, did Carolina make it to the final? Or excuse me, obviously, did they did they win or have they played it yet? It's tonight. It's tonight against okay. UCLA, the Battle gotcha. of the Baby Blues. So, so you know, I think we're all cheering for the University of California of Los Angeles tonight because uh, Florida State will have an ACC championship and they will have nothing. So, <laughs> well, we're 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 praying on their downfall. No, I'm just kidding. But hopefully, both teams have fun. They play to the best of their ability, and uh, it'll be a good soccer match tonight. Coach Penske was was gracious enough to to give some time to this show. He did an interview with us back in August, and one of the things that he said to us, because uh, we asked him about, you know, he was at Tennessee, he had a you know great experience there, SEC Coach of the Year a couple times. Uh, he had been the head coach of Maryland back when they were in the ACC, and we asked him about his return to this conference, and he mentioned. That was that was one of the biggest reasons why he wanted to take this job. He thinks some of the best coaches in the sport are in this conference, the head coach of Duke, but also Anson Dorrance of UNC. Um, and, and he, he lauded the, the chess match every time you go up against Coach Dorrance and his team um, in Chapel Hill. And it was a battle in the three matchups. And he's um, been there for like 44 years, Coach Dorrance. Something, yes. something nuts. Yeah, UNC won the matchup here in Tallahassee 2-1. to one. That was Roque's first loss of her career in her third season here as goalkeeper. Uh, but obviously the more important game, you beat them in the ACC tournament 2-1 to one to get the number one seed in the entire national tournament. 
Florida State has has basically been unbeatable at home in the NCAA tournament in their entire existence, and so to get that one seed throughout was a big part of their ability to get to the Final Four in the College Cup. Uh, but then Dorrance kind of winning that that battle in the third and final matchup. So talk about rivalries, Florida State UNC uh, on the pitch. That's going to be a good one to follow for years to come, and and the matchup really delivered in the three games here this year as well. All games decided by one goal. Yeah, absolutely, and. Um, you know, it's great to, to find out you have a new rival uh, in any sport. So um, I'll definitely be looking forward to, to watching uh, the girls' soccer team go against Carolina in the next few years. I'd like to say one quick thing. After it's a free years, country, Max. Go for it, man. You know what? Now I'm going to say two quick things. It's okay. a free country, man. Go for <laughs> it. After years of the women's soccer program really dominating on all types of levels, ACC championships, national championships, the fan base here is finally showing out and really admiring these talented student athletes that are that deserve it. That deserve it arguably more so than any other program repping the garnet and gold. They broke their uh, stadium attendance, I think it was last weekend, setting over 2,000, two, something close to 2,500, I believe. And it was it's just amazing to see that type of uh, support going to a program that has long deserved it. Yeah, you're right. You're right about that. And uh, you look ahead to the roster next season. It's going to look different. It was different this year. It's going to be even more so next year. Jenna Nyswanger, Clara Robbins, and Heather Payne all played their last game as a Florida State Seminole. Uh, Nyswanger and Roquet both were first-team All-Americans. Jody Brown was a third-team All-American. This season, uh, Christina Roquet finishes 12-1-3. and with seven shutouts in the regular season and a career-high 57 saves. Uh, fantastic season for her. I mentioned in now in three full seasons, she's lost two games, which that, that doesn't even seem like a real statistic, but she has been a huge part. One of the best athletes probably on this campus in all likelihood. And as well, the coaching staff for the, the team won the Atlantic Region Staff of the Year, but Penske and his um, uh, assistant head coaches uh, there. So... Their season is done, but it looks bright, and they uh, all 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 told a really good season for them this year as well. Another sport whose season ended it was on the same night last Friday. Florida State volleyball first round exit. It started three at the sets. same exact time too. They both started at six o'clock Eastern. Yeah, that was that. That's a tough night uh, to be a null, but uh, the first round exit for volleyball in three sets and straight sets to Northern Iowa. Last year, they were bounced out of the second round in straight sets to Nebraska. Uh, so, Kylie, I'll I'll tee up. I mean, it's got when you lose in the first round in straight sets, that's that's disappointing on its own. Is there any more more to that? Kind of like we were talking in the uh, pre-show meeting here. It's it's a difficult time to be a Florida State volleyball fan in the sense of it just seems so inconsistent. How do you go down to? Coral Gables and sweep the Hurricanes on their home court and then transition into getting swept by Georgia Tech and meeting up with Northern Iowa when you find out that you get into the NCAA tournament and you get swept there too. And essentially I think it's just, uh, if I had to pick out one thing, it's just not not noticing the change in gameplay from opponents quick enough uh that was something that was kind of seen in the third set of the Miami game was um Miami had been hitting the deep ball over and over again and it wasn't really working for them and so they started playing small ball and tipping the ball over the net and Florida State got caught on that about four or five times before Chris Poole called a timeout and decided to change things up so um with volleyball it's a game of mistakes though at least one or the other team has to make one mistake for the play to end, so it's kind of a tough call to say it's exactly this, it's exactly that. Yeah, and so, um, you know, in that first set, Florida State was one point away from, from clinching that first set, and so they end up losing. Um, obviously, you know, you have to win by two in those sets, but, um, you know, had they had they won that first set, maybe you think they have some momentum, but uh, just the team morale, it seemed like it just totally dipped after uh, not being able to finish it out, and... Um, you know, who knows? Maybe, maybe it goes four sets. Maybe it, maybe it goes five. But um, to it just seemed like there was a lack of resolve um, within those that second and third set. And that's one of the key things with volleyball is it is such a mental game, perhaps more than 
any other sport, in my opinion, is because, like I said, it has to end on a mistake. It is not a game bound by time whatsoever. It ends on one person messing something up, and if you do that consecutively and that results in a stride from the other team, that's really hard to take on, and so it, you, you have to be mentally tough. Uh, the team had four players make the All-ACC second team. They had uh, Audrey Rothman, a All-ACC uh, freshman team. The team's going to look different next year for, for head coach Chris Poole in what will be his 17th season next year. He's the second uh, all, all-time all or the second active uh, coach in NCAA in terms of uh, wins that he has, uh, but the roster will be different. Uh, Audrey Koenig, Corey Lewis, some of these players. I don't know. The COVID year screws everything up because they may be graduating, but they may still have another year if they decide to to take it. So uh, we'll see how that roster looks in the coming months leading up to next year. Got a few minutes left on the program. Want to mention Florida State men's basketball. Talked about them a great deal last week and their disappointing start. It continues. Another 0-2 week. Tough week, as you could imagine, where you play top five teams in both matchups. They're now 1-9 and nine on the season. Uh, Cameron Fletcher is out for the year with a knee injury that, that was announced after the Virginia game. Uh, they get 0-8 Louisville this week on Saturday afternoon, a chance to, to finally get a, um, uh, a win in, in conference. But uh, the first game we'll talk about, a 10-point loss to number four Purdue here in Tallahassee. Um, they were down by two at halftime. It was back and forth all the way, but then for Purdue, the, the 7-4 big Zach Eddy, 25 points and 11 of 14 from the field. Nahima Cloud uh, or anyone could stop him. Uh, uh, Cleveland and Green both had efficient nights. Maybe they're both best games of the year. They both scored 20 uh, for Florida State. They were 7-23 from three. They looked good there, 12-14 of 14 from the free throw line, but out-rebounded by 15, and I think that big for Purdue really is what made the difference in that one. And, um, you know, early in the season, Florida State was not covering, but, you know, the last few games they've covered, you know what they say, great teams, or good teams win, but great teams cover, and so... Um, you know, this Florida State team is a great, great team. Now I'm just playing. But um, what I will say is, you know, they, you know, Corey Clark talked about this, and, you know, 1-9 and nine is 1-9. and nine, But um, to go toe-to-toe with, with Purdue and with um, – I'm blanking. Virginia. Virginia, excuse me. Um, you know, it, it's, it's good telling signs. And so, um, you know – Coach Norvell talked about it a, co- a uh, couple of years ago. There's no such thing as moral victories here at Florida State, but this season of basketball there is. So, um, you know, you you look for a young team. Um, you know, the signs. Excuse me, the signs of a good team is that you know that they'll play uh, to the level of their competition, and so it kind of seems like that's what we're seeing here. Also, with a combination of injuries and Baba Miller being out, but um, yeah, I think you're optimistic after watching these last two losses. As we round on the show, I want to I want to ask: Should I be overly optimistic or overly critic critical? What, what, what would y'all like? It's a free country, man. You know, it is your I, last I wanna show. Hear, I want to hear y'all's opinion on what I should say huh. because I could either be very aggressive about an FSU legend, or I could be like, "Hey, guys, these are some pretty." okay losses these are some good teams that we almost beat you know i want you to go on a high note max i say be overly optimistic i would i would counter that by saying aggressive because i think our women's basketball program garners the more deserving attention i i am gonna agree with kylie here because i think the women's basketball product is much better than the men's this season and i think everyone listening should go watch it and tell me otherwise because I don't think it's really comparable. I think the women's game is different, but I think the women's team is just blatantly more entertaining, without a doubt. But something I love to do is just unreasonably hate, but someone (laughs) at FSU, a legend in the making, a future FSU Hall of Famer, deserves hate and deserves to walk out the door at the end of this year, and that would be Leonard Hamilton. He has lost the locker room. He may be the best recruiter. He may be the best defensive coordinator. The man has no idea how to rotate. The man has no idea how to play an offensive scheme. I really am confident I could put together a better closing lineup than he can. He puts guys out there that aren't good at the end of the game. It doesn't make sense. 
They had a, a tough loss to Virginia as well, number three in the country. FSU led 22-21 at halftime, but a a big run by the Hoos out of the break. A 22-9 run for Virginia out of halftime sealed that one up. Florida State had a, sh- a shot late, but couldn't convert. Tough from the field, just 33%. Uh, another nice nice game for Green, the transfer from UCF, who shot the ball well as of late and with Fletcher joining the the injuries it's only going to make things tougher head but they have a, a team in Louisville this weekend who has not won a game yet and so hopefully a chance for them to to bounce back at home but as uh, we're into the eight o'clock hour now this is all the time that we've got here on Tomahawk Talk new releases next but for William Haynes Jackson Bakich Kylie Brennan Max Rundy Jack Oliaro our producer This has been Tom Talk, and you're listening to WVFS Tallahassee, the voice of Florida State.